Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful Friday afternoon. Another round of preseason action coming our way over the next few days. Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit, it is up to date. We're heading into the weekend. You can use that for all your drafts. I put my draft strategy series in there so that can guide you through no matter what pick you have. We've also got a 12-team mock draft that's going to be going up on Saturday morning. So if you are drafting this weekend, you'll be able to check that out too. Just tons of content, all for free, all available over at The Score. And this is the time for it because we're hitting these busy draft weekends. And that is why I wanted to do a mailbag today. I know the questions have started to ramp up. I've been busy. I haven't been able to answer all of them, but we're going to get to as many as we can in this episode. So let's dive right in. At Dan Wins. Hi, Boone. Taking Justin Jefferson first overall seems best, but I keep liking the teams I mock draft better when I go Christian McCaffrey first overall in a 12-team half PPR league. If I go JJ first, there's usually no good RBs I like at the 2-3 turn, so I end up grabbing Olave and a QB. Any advice on CMC versus JJ? So this comes down to personal preference, and I'm not going to talk you out of CMC at 101. I think Jefferson is being driven up here by this incredible start to his career that he's had. I mean, more receiving yards than any player ever through his first three seasons. And really, it's not even close. And then, you know, there's the worry about running back injuries and, you know, that position just being such a minefield for guys getting hurt throughout the year. And you could draft the right one. He could be having a fantastic season and then he misses time and your season gets blown up. So the odds of that happening It's higher with running backs versus receivers, even though anybody can get hurt at any time. We know that. And then the last thing is guys like CMC, guys like Austin Eckler, they're amazing. But the 49ers, they used a second back, normally Elijah Mitchell, when he was healthy, they used a second back pretty often who got in the mix there. And then Eckler, he's unhappy with his contract and he's not getting as much publicity as some of these other guys like Josh Jacobs, who are holding out right now. But Eckler was one of the originals this offseason that at one point it was reported that he wanted a trade. Obviously, the team didn't do that. So could we see him be one of these players? And I've suggested this with some of the other guys who are unhappy with their contracts, some of these other RBs, that maybe when he gets banged up, maybe he waits a little bit longer before he comes back to the team, wants to make sure he's 100%, doesn't want to risk further injury for an organization that isn't willing to pay him what he thinks he's worth. So There's some concerns with those high-end running backs where Jefferson, he's just about as clean as they come for fantasy. So I would still take Jefferson and then I would figure running back out along the way. I mean, Jameer Gibbs, Ramondre Stevenson, Joe Mixon, those guys are all pretty good values in the third round right now. You could also target somebody like Alvin Kamara or James Cook. You can get them in the fifth or sixth round and their ADPs are kind of on the rise at the moment, but I think you could still get them in the fifth or sixth. So you can fill the running back spot. You know, if you load up on the other positions early, there are ways and areas of the draft where you can still get some pretty good backs as you go. Either way, I'm going JJ this year. I'm not going to talk you out of CMC though. If you like him better for your specific builds, go for it. At JD Smooth. With the change of scenery over the last week or so, plus no real clarity on Jonathan Taylor or Josh Jacobs still, would you consider bypassing any other wide receiver other than Justin Jefferson with a running back you personally believe is the RB1? Thanks for all your help, man. So kind of a similar answer here. I won't spend too much time on it. 
this one is even harder to call because if you look at my salary cap values for these guys, which is just another name for auction values, but it tends to give you a, an idea of how I'm valuing them specifically. I have all of them really close. It's a coin flip, really, whether you want to go with a Jamar Chase or CMC slash Eckler at 102. And again, I like my builds better with Chase in half PPR in PPR scoring, but I could see a pretty good argument either way especially when you get to that round seven to nine range where there's just so many good receiver values. And if you don't end up where you need receivers or where you have the space to take receivers there, you might end up passing on some of these really good players in that area. So this isn't a crystal clear one. It comes down to your preference. I'm going with Chase. There's really no bad pick in the top around one. And I've talked on the show before about, I think some people spend way too much time worrying about what they're going to do in that first round when really all the picks are strong. Spend more of your time on the later rounds, on even the middle rounds, trying to find the values and the players are going to break out in that range. That is so much more important for your team than trying to split hairs of which superstar is better for your roster than the other. It's a good question. Don't get me wrong. I'm going with Chase there, but a Hero RB build with CMC or Eckler at the top of it, that would still generate a really great team as long as you draft well the rest of the way. At ill underscore Swayze, thoughts on Travis Kelsey at the 101. Both teams that won the last two years drafted him and never traded him. 12-man league, half PPR. So it's not an insane move to do Kelsey at 101. He gives you just such a massive advantage at that position. And unless it's a keeper league or a dynasty league where the team that has him falls out of playoff contention, I agree with you that you're likely not going to be able to trade for him. So I will say it's not a move that I want to do. It's not a move that I have really done anywhere. I did tinker with it a bit in some of the mock drafts. I just didn't really love the way my teams came out. Maybe you feel differently, but I would rather take a shot at finding a value at tight end this year. Somebody who I think has a chance to maybe push their way into a top two or top three spot at the position. So talked about these guys like Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts, you know, go with them, see if they can get up and get enough volume to get their way up into a 900,000 yard type season, which we've seen happen before, instead of spending that 101 on Kelsey who we got to remember is turning 34 during the season. There's no guarantees that he's going to keep producing like this fantasy God just year after year. Father time has to show up at some point. Either way, I would recommend do a bunch of mocks, try Kelsey at 101, see if you like the results better than I did, and then you'll have your answer. If you're looking for my blessing though, you have it. I don't think that Kelsey at 101 is a crazy move, just not a move that I'm making. At Magic Mike PT 14 Hey, Justin, I have the second overall pick in a three wide receiver PPR league. Do you like to reach for a third round RB if starting the draft with two wide receivers? Or can you make it a strength by drafting another wide receiver or even Mark Andrews for the tight end advantage? Thanks. So there isn't really a right or wrong answer here. I've done both. I've been happy with both outcomes. So I wouldn't go in with a super rigid plan or a blueprint like per se. I normally like to stay more balanced, so I tend to be more of a hero RB guy and making sure that I get at least one running back in the first three rounds, but there are times when I do tend to go with more of a zero RB build, and if there ever was a year to do it, this might be it, which leads us to our next question here at the witching hour. What are your thoughts on zero RB? Seems like the year to do it with all the running back drama. So the zero RB approach definitely in play right now. You have the wide receiver values that have been pushed up. 
We have all this uncertainty with these running backs in that range. We started with really a pretty clear drop-off after I would say the top 12 running backs or so. And then in the last month or two, we've seen that turn into kind of just the top five or top six that I think you could feel good about. After that, there are just so many red flags. Plus, when you look at these ADPs, and I mentioned some of them, but you can get a pretty decent value in the late fifth or into the sixth round with a Kamara or a James Cook. A Rashad White could be a volume play in the sixth or seventh round. Sometimes he falls even later. DeAndre Swift is going kind of late after all the silliness that we had about him playing in the first preseason game and Kenneth Gainwell not playing. I still think it looks like Swift is going to be the top back in that backfield. It'll be a committee, but Swift, the most valuable fantasy option there. Isaiah Pacheco, his value has been held down by that injury he's coming back from. You could take a chance on Khalil Herbert, who should start the season as the Bears lead back, and he's going in the eighth round or so. Same goes for the Dolphins' backfield, where you can play roulette there. You could try to hit on the right guy. My money's on A-Chain and Mostert. And speaking of A-Chain, you should be loading up on these upside young backs like Zach Charbonnet and Taji Spears and Jalen Warren and Tank Bigsby and Zamir White. All those guys have paths to flex value, maybe even more if injuries strike or if the guy in front of them ends up holding out, which would be the Raiders case if Josh Jacobs continues his holdout into the season. So yes, I think that zero RB, even hero RB, which I mentioned is you know more of my approach. I tend to go that way more often than not, but those strategies are definitely in play this year, given that chaos that we're seeing at running back. And if you go back to the previous question, you can load up be so strong at wide receiver, at tight end, even get yourself an elite quarterback and then come back around and start filling it out that way. And if you get a bunch of those late round guys, if you're strong at the other positions, you could have just a flex option, let's say in your RB2 spot. And then you hope that as the year goes along, one of those bench guys, one of those flex options can turn into a real starter because injuries or whatever ends up striking. So I really like it this year. I don't tend to go with that zero RB approach. It's more hero RB for me, but it's definitely a smart way in 2023 to approach things. At Nicholas Pickles, thoughts on drafting wide receiver RB combos from the same team worth snagging elite talent or stay away because you're limiting upside. I get this question a lot and I probably brought this on myself even more this week because I did a draft where I had Justin Jefferson and Alexander Madison on the same team in one of those strategy articles. But I also got a question about, you know, can I take CeeDee Lamb and Tony Pollard at the one-two turn? So it does come up often. And while I probably would try to avoid it with my first two picks like that, it's not an absolute. You know, as long as they're in a good offense and the Cowboys have a very good offense— you know, Pollard is just an amazing second round pick. I wouldn't want to pass on him just because I took CeeDee Lamb, who is also a great pick in the first round. We'll see how long Pollard's ADP continues to be in the second, though. I feel like a lot of people are talking about him. You know, he might move up into the late first round soon once everyone realizes that value. But regardless, don't overthink it. If you're taking two stars, two really, really good players like that, it's fine to have them from the same team. And the deeper you go into the draft, then the less risk that you're taking on when you do that. So don't shy away from two quality players at wide receiver, at running back, just because they're on the same team. It almost never scares me off. That's the truth of it. Unless I have concerns about the offense as a whole. And when we're talking about the Vikings offense or the Cowboys offense or some of the other really good attacks around the league, 
It just doesn't worry me whatsoever. At A underscore Lenny underscore. How much do you value the quarterback wide receiver stack? Would you go outside of your rankings to complete it? Example, Trevor Lawrence over Justin Herbert if you've got Calvin Ridley. Grabbing Joe Burrow over Lamar Jackson to pair with Jamar Chase. Or reaching on Zay Flowers versus the high upside RBs in that range. So this comes down to how close the decision is. I have a tier break between Herbert and Lawrence. So in that case, I wouldn't reach on Lawrence just to complete the stack. And the same thing goes for Lamar Jackson versus Burrow. There's a tier break in between those two. And you can find my tiers. They're in the Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit. There's a couple links to them in there. But if you're going the other way with it, then it really depends which high upside running backs you're talking about against a Flowers. So with all the positive reports that we've heard about Flowers, I would be willing to reach on him a little bit to get him, even if it does mean passing on some you know decent high upside running backs as you're calling them. And I think the August hype is probably going to push his ADP up anyway. So it might not even be a reach at that point. In the next couple of weeks, you might see his ADP up a couple more rounds. So if we're talking about guys that are in the same tier, then it's different. So let's say it was Burrow versus Justin Herbert. I would then be okay taking Herbert over Burrow to complete that stack. And the other added wrinkle here is if you're playing DFS or if you're in a big tournament where you need to win weeks late in the season to take home a grand prize, let's say, then you might want to think about stacking quarterbacks and wide receivers more. I would still stick to the same plan with the tiers, but definitely have more of a game plan going in for who you hope to get and which stacks you want to come away with. At T Maple Waffles 67. That is the most Canadian Twitter handle I've ever seen. Hey, Justin, love the show and everything you do. Have not heard much from fantasy analysts regarding a couple wide receivers. Amari Cooper, Michael Pittman, and Jerry Judy was wondering what's your take on them this year. Thanks for all the amazing work. Well, thank you for the kind words there. And, you know, maybe I shouldn't have mentioned that, you know, it's a very Canadian handle, but that's not an insult at all because I am Canadian, as most people know. Uh, I am happy to go through these guys. Uh, Amari is an excellent wideout. Talent-wise, I'd say he's a top 15 guy. There are some concerns with him, though. The Browns, they've tended to spread the ball around in that Kevin Stefanski system, and they have more target competition this year. You bring in a guy like Elijah Moore, who's been apparently getting a ton of volume thrown his way in practice, at least before the injury hit and he's missed the last week or so. But they also have David Njoku, who's a really good pass catching tight end. So Cooper probably going to remain that boomer bust guy that he's been in the past, which is fine for fantasy as long as you know what you're getting into. I still see him as a solid fantasy wide receiver too. And where he's going, he's somebody that I am willing to take. Pittman is a good talent, but he's dealing with a rookie dual threat quarterback. And we love Anthony Richardson for fantasy. But when you have a young quarterback like that, you know, either of the two things that I mentioned can limit a passing attack. But if you have a rookie quarterback that's going to run a lot, that is going to be a problem for Pittman's upside. He's also got a lot more target competition, right? Alec Pierce going into his second season. He's improving. Josh Downs, the rookie arriving. So I've dropped Pittman below a lot of other wideouts. And I think it's because volume and target competition there. He's more of a wide receiver three for fantasy. Judy is the most exciting of the bunch. All the reports out of Denver are saying that he's the clear top target in that offense. And he had a pretty good season last year, right? He had almost a thousand yards. He had six touchdowns. So a Judy breakout is coming. He could make the biggest jump out of this group here. I have him as a low-end wide receiver two right now. Out of those three, he is by far the one that I've drafted the most. At Aaron McKay, 
how do you approach a super flex slash two quarterback draft in terms of when you draft QBs? Who is the last quarterback you feel comfortable drafting in round one this year in that format? I'm trying to think about how to approach having a late draft position where all of the quote unquote elite quarterbacks may be gone. So I've said this before. I will say it again here. I find two quarterback and super flex leagues, at least for redraft, to be very tough to gauge beforehand because they vary so much from league to league when you're talking about the drafts. Sometimes quarterbacks go really early. You see a huge run and most of the first round is quarterbacks. Sometimes, especially in analyst leagues, you see them go a little bit later. So I would keep that in mind. You kind of got to feel the room out as you go. You kind of got to make decisions on the fly, which is like any draft, but it's more important in two quarterback and super flex formats because you don't want to be left out in the cold with no quarterbacks, which can absolutely happen if you play it wrong. So for me, I want to make sure that I have at least one quarterback in the first two rounds. And this is another situation where the tears come in. So Trevor Lawrence, he's the last quarterback that I would feel really good about taking in the first round. But I would be willing to go after Anthony Richardson in the late first two just because of that upside that he brings. And that's a decision that you would have to make. It's a riskier play, but it's one that I would want to do there. Or I'd aim to take Geno Smith early in the second round. But this is assuming that you're in a league where quarterbacks are just flying off the board. And you'll know that by the middle of the first round. If you see six or seven straight quarterbacks to start the draft, then it's going to be really quarterback heavy and you're going to have to adjust. If it's a situation where it's light on quarterbacks and you can get two of my top nine guys, let's say, around the one-two turn there, you can go that route. Otherwise, I would take one quarterback, I would wait, and then try to find value with your second QB. And that's going back to trying to feel it out and trying to find value. And, you know, the drop dead range to make sure that you have two quarterbacks by, the last guy that I'd be willing to have as my QB2 would probably be Sam Howell, who's my QB 26 in my rankings. After that, you would just be at such a serious disadvantage that you'd be making a huge mistake. So make sure that you got your second quarterback before that point. At Ballistic916, how do you think the Miami backfield is going to shake out this year? I've been investing in a lot of Devon A-Chain and I need some validation from you, Boone. And there's a little laugh added in at the end there. So right off the bat, I'm going to take a small L on this one because I thought Dalvin Cook was going to end up in Miami. I was kind of ranking it that way all offseason, or at least keeping that in mind when I was working on the rankings each time. And I was wrong. He signed with the Jets. We talked about that on Wednesday's show. So now we're left with this trio of Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, and then everybody's favorite spark plug, A-Chain. And after they acquired Wilson last year, and it was just Mostert and Wilson, this really was a hot hand situation. Mostert had some games where he dominated snaps and touches. He also suffered a knee sprain. He missed week 12. How much did that affect him down the stretch? And Wilson played more than him in the final few weeks too. So take that all into consideration. But Mostert, even in those final few weeks, he was still producing because that speed in this offense, it's so dangerous. And it led to some explosive plays. I mean, he had 71 yards on 11 carries in week 18. So Mostert, he has the bigger fantasy days overall. Wilson's more of a grinder. He does everything well. The coaching staff likes him, but Mostert's the big play guy. He's the better fantasy option. Now, how A-Chain's going to factor into this, it is hard to gauge. It could be that they use Mostert and A-Chain speed and get them both out there a lot. It could be that Mostert at 31 years old with his history of durability concerns 
that really they know it's only a matter of time before he's going to break down and then A-Chain could become that new speed guy with Wilson serving as the trustworthy veteran alongside him. I just don't have a lot of confidence in this projection. And whenever that's the case, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm drafting Mostert and A-Chain in different spots, sometimes even together because of where they're going and the value you can get there in the late rounds. And I'm hoping that I can secure the speed guy in this backfield because that's where the fantasy upside is. I don't really want to take Wilson much. I don't expect him to be the guy. He might be a contributor, but he would need injuries before he got the kind of volume that he would need to be a really strong fantasy start. And then last one here at Mighty Rights, Boone. You're the nicest analyst in fantasy football with the second overall pick half PPR. Would you keep DK Metcalf for a fourth, JK Dobbins for a fifth or Alexander Madison for a ninth hashtag go bills hashtag win the whole damn thing. Well, first off, I definitely am not the nicest analyst in fantasy football. I appreciate you saying that, but there's probably more of an edge to me than you realize. Plus, I mean, we have people like Scott Fish and there's a lot of others in the industry who are way nicer than me. So I think we can hand them that title. Thank you for thinking of me though. As for your question, I always tell people to think of it like a trade. So would you rather have Alexander Madison and a fourth rounder and a fifth rounder? Would you rather have DK Metcalf and a fifth rounder and a ninth rounder or JK Dobbins and a fourth and a ninth rounder? And for me, I think that they're close enough that I'm going to take the value. I'm going to go with Madison because he's been a great producer whenever he's gotten starter snaps before. The team says they view him as a three-down guy. I'm excited to see what he can do as the lead back in this offense, and I have him over Dobbins in my ranking straight up. And as much as I love Metcalf, I would rather take a wideout in the fourth round than a running back in the ninth round. So essentially, it'll be easier to replace Metcalf with your fourth-round pick than it will be to try to get a starting running back like Madison in the ninth round. So Madison is the way to go. And that is all for today's show. So make sure you're checking out the Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit daily. It's going to continue to be updated. Lots of new information, lots of new articles in there, even over the weekends. You can also follow me on Twitter, X, at Justin Boone. And I'll be back next week. I'll be going over what we learned from the second week of the preseason. We'll have a special guest on with me later in the week. But until then... A big thanks to the copy editors at The Score. I've kept them very busy over the last month or so with all my articles. Always appreciate them and the work they do. And I always appreciate you for downloading and subscribing and listening every week. Big thanks for that. And we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight. I said leave on time.